0: It's those kind of things that excites me to the limit. You know, when you have something that is a bit too big for you, that's the kind of excitement that has always been part of me. When it's after the centennial, what's next? What's the next biggest thing we could do? I remember the experience and I remember how exciting it was, and especially the getting ready for the centennial. I think that that moment was, was huge.
1: Hello and welcome everybody My name is Will Chernoff And you're listening to the Rhythm Changes Podcast A home for creative, improvising, local music people This show is an ongoing, open-ended conversation series With folks who make their community fun and prosperous If you're joining us for the first time Don't forget to follow this feed wherever you get your podcasts And visit us at our website, rhythmchanges.ca Our guest today is one of my most important mentors, someone to whom I'm deeply grateful, who was my boss for a number of years that still makes up the majority of my working life. He co-founded the North Shore Celtic Ensemble in the 1998-99 school year, bringing orchestral violin experience from the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra, the Vancouver Opera Orchestra, and the CBC Radio Orchestra. The city of North Vancouver has recognized him with an Outstanding Supporter of Youth Award. And this fall, he transitioned from his role as Executive Artistic Director to Director of Senior Programs and Community Outreach. You can find the North Shore Celtic Ensemble, which has been a nonprofit BC society since 2002, at nsce.ca and at North Shore Celtic Ensemble on Instagram and Facebook. NSCE presents their theatre show for 2021, titled Connection, on Sunday, November 21st at Terry Fox Theatre in Port Coquitlam, and on Saturday, November 27th at Centennial Theatre in North Vancouver. I just got my ticket, so it's my great pleasure to welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Claude Giguard.
0: My my great pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for this fantastic... Introduction. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I think we should talk
1: first about what NSCE does because with this episode, I will hope to tell the story of this unique organization to a lot of people. One of the best ways we can do that is to talk about different kinds of gigs because there's something called the community concert series that you do, there's also been tours. I was fortunate enough to go on three of those with you, and they were a blast. And then there's the annual theater shows that you've probably been doing for almost 20 years now. So walk through the different kinds of gigs that you do with the North Shore Celtic Ensemble.
0: Okay, so I always think about the NSC as a a bit of a tripod. I think of the experience for those kids, first of all, is there's a social element of all of them together. There's a community of young people working together, which is a lot of fun for them. Uh, there's the community concert series, so there's a community aspect of it, and then there's uh, the special projects as well. Being able to uh, go out there and do um, impact their society, their communities in, with special performances. Uh, the types of performances we do um, – I mean, we've done some tours, like you've mentioned – We've done a number of festivals as well. We've done fundraisers for us. We try to follow what goes on in in our lives. And then sometimes uh, the ensemble has been fortunate enough to be able to raise funds for different uh, occasions. I think about, for instance, the Syrian refugees during that time, some of our kids sort of... uh, put together a project, presented a performance for a family and raised some funds for them. I think the idea of having impact with your music and your community is very important. Uh, what can, We've done recordings, we've done films as well. Uh, the idea is to try to do as exciting a list of projects as we can. Whatever they are, we want to try it all. So I guess from the word go... Maybe because I had a fairly rich uh, professional life as a musician, I always wanted to have something similar for the kids. Why not? The kids we work with, most of them will never be professional musicians. It's true for anybody, yeah. Most of them, 80, I don't know, 98%, 99% of them will just do something else in their lives. But how about make the most you can, you know, they are talented musicians. I call them musicians. They are artists in their own rights. And let's do something extraordinary. And that's just disguise the limit sort of thing. So we've tried as as much as possible to just go out there and make it fun. Yeah.
1: I love that you mentioned your own background as part of how you found what the group should feel like, because I do know a little bit about your background and I'm definitely close friends with jay knutson the co-founder and Mm -hmm. he's been on the podcast before so listeners who haven't heard about him or early spirit the band have heard a little bit about that i've heard jay's side of this story before but can you tell the story of how you and jay started working together in general in the first place
0: this was uh, quite accidental i must (laughs) i must say uh you know, I had stopped to play music. I was back in school due to an injury. I overplayed and then paid dearly for it. So I really stopped playing for a couple of years and I was going to uh, Cap U, which was then called Cap Cap College. Mm-hmm. And um, so at that point, uh, just taking all sorts of courses, trying to find myself after 35 years of doing music a friend of mine who at the time lived in Japan said you've got to come back to music let's come to Japan and we'll do music together i'm going to sponsor you i'm going to buy your ticket and i'm buying a cd go make a cd and i think celtic music will work here in Japan let's do it he says are you serious celtic are you sure sure no let's I've never really done much Celtic music. And so I went on and then I asked a friend of mine, do you know someone who does Celtic here? And her good friend, uh, this this was uh, Lorna. She was called Lorna Brampton then. And uh, she knew Jay. And then so I met Jay through her and told him, you know, I need to make a CD, <laughs> a Celtic CD. Let's get together. And then so with very, very little money, we just did this recording together, which I called Entrelas. I don't exactly know why, it doesn't sound that great, but I had this idea that this might work both English and French in both languages. And I went to Japan with that CD and, yeah, worked there for a while and realized that it was more difficult than I thought uh, physically because of the injury. Came back here, started to teach privately again. The idea of creating the group came. For having done a bit of Celtic music with Jay, but also wanting to have more impact with the kids I was teaching. I thought that the traditional mold of teaching the violin was, that was not enough for me. I wanted more connection with these kids, more experiences, so that I, I have sort of a, an exciting life for them and present music in such a way that it's meaningful for them. So that's the way it started at first. And with Jay being there and I had done that CD with him, we, you know, I asked him, let's, let's move forward and see where that leads us. And so we started with just a few kids and then we did a few shows and, and the response was huge. It's
1: really like a local cultural organization, firstly. What did you learn about that initial stage of how to get a local cultural thing off the ground?
0: you go bit by bit, right? Step by step. I was actually very confident at the very beginning, very super confident that we would just thrill audiences from the word go. We'll just, I had a sense of visuals and a sense of what the way we we're going to look like and how to engage the kids in such a way that they, they go out there and they kill it. Just a sense of producing a show. It felt very natural. So I had no doubts that it would work. Now, I wasn't seeing, I didn't have any vision that I'd be 20 years later looking at a full-fledged organization with, uh, you know, 20 years. of. It's a big history. I wasn't seeing that. I was just driving the thing with Jay, and then we just uh, kept producing one show after the other, and then, you know, it snowballs into bigger shows, and uh, eventually you realize, wow, that'd be great to do this, but be nice to get get some money, and then you realize that if you look for money, if you're a non-profit, then you have access to more. So you, you look at different options, and that's what we did.
1: Yeah, that leads us really nicely into the first handful of years. Now, I have 21 years of NSCE history under your leadership in front of me as a period of time, and I think I've noticed kind of three equal periods of beginning, a middle, and an end of your leadership of NSE in the role that you always had over that time. And I see some differences between them. And I was curious to kind of go through each of these seven-year chunks, and I'll talk about some of the things that I associate with each one. And maybe that would be cool for you, too, because then you can think about a particular period of time instead of having to scan across the whole 20 plus years you know okay. but the first one starts right off the beginning the founding of the local cultural movement so to speak the incorporation as a nonprofit society people like ben kelly Brian powers who taught for nsc in the future but was a student at that time other musicians that you had you talk about not many people becoming musicians even from then you had people who went on to become musicians like another drummer, Spencer Cole. Spencer Cole, that's right. You recorded your first three albums and one EP. Near the end of it, you successfully applied for Canada Council funding to do the EP. And this time period is roughly 1998 to 2005 with some alumni from that time whom I've talked to. We (laughs) jokingly, don't take our firm word for it, refer to it as the barefoot period, because apparently some performers in this era would perform with no socks or shoes on.
0: Yeah, there was the barefoot period. That's very funny, actually. (laughs) It reminds me that at the very beginning, um, I mean, Jay and I were both from the arts, and personally, I never considered myself an educator that's a funny way to enter the subject, isn't it? I, I think I was always fishing for ideas from the kids. I've always been very, very close to their opinions, what they like, the music they listen to, who they are, and sometimes to the point where there's a lot of individuality coming out of of the group. And then, so, yeah, we didn't have any very strong directives we didn't police very much what was happening in the beginning in the first few years it was very formative as much for me as it was for the kids in the sense that there's there's a lot of freedom that were there we didn't have a board we didn't have a set of procedures protocols or anything like that and so yeah we were very accepting of people as they were i think it gave Carte blanche to many of our kids to really explore their artistic side, and uh, one that made quite an impression is this uh, this idea that of not wearing any shoes. I mean, I remember cringing at at times when we would go and do a show, and especially in the context of a festival or a tour, or, or and then you end up with groups that well organized, and you know they have their uniform and everything, and here we are. We're coming onto the stage, and we've got like three or four. We have no shoes, no socks, just bare feet on, on the stage. So, I mean, it's it's part of growing up, I suppose. But there's a bit of cringing for sure. But at the same time, there's a little bit of uh, of celebrating.
1: I think another interesting part of it is it's obvious in our professional lives right now that, you know, people who are in their late 30s, they're young. They have a lot of time left to go. And when you were starting NSCE, you were not yet 40. You know, you, you were young in, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And
0: again, I mean, you think about Jay and I, we, uh, we are into the uh, the make-believe. We're not into the structural so much. Uh, we didn't structure things in such a way that we have like a policy or anything like that. We were far away from that. When the board came into place, and even then, in the first few years, they were all, it's all you guys, it's all you guys. And then, uh, so the board was a bit decorative at first.
1: Very deferential to your and Jay's roles in the whole thing. Exactly,
0: exactly. And then over the years, this, you know, things balanced out. I mean, our season now has become so complex. There are so many different things we we do that there's no way we can function without a board and grants that we receive. And uh, eventually you, you just have to, if you want to have the impact that you want to have. Yeah, you grow as an organization. We've got like four groups right now. And, and so it's, um, it, takes, it takes a lot of coordination and help.
1: Yeah, you need more people, need more hands on deck. I remember that's what it said in all the volunteer things. There'd, there'd be a sheet where people could sign up for different volunteer roles, like parents and families and stuff like that. And then for the theater shows, like the ones you're about to do and that the tickets are on sale as we speak right now, yeah. it says all hands on deck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does. Well, it's true. And and uh, it's been an interesting year last year, not having had... The, the contact with the families as we used to. I think a big thing about the ensemble is it has also brought in a community of parents in such a way that some of them have created their own band and their own groups. There is a community of parents who are still in touch to this day from years ago. That to me is is just fantastic. And COVID has, has really changed quite a bit. It's, it's like we skipped a major beat there. We saw the, the kids for about seven, eight weeks through Zoom only, but most of the time we were able to see them. But the parents have not been invited just for obvious reasons. So the community of parents have, have, has not been formed like it, it has been in the, in the past. So now that we're going back into doing concerts again... We're getting to know them now and reconnecting with everyone and so that we're back into what we were before, before COVID.
1: Yeah. Talking about the continuity of the theater shows like this, the first time you did a theater show, it is in this first bucket of years in the early 2000s. Do you remember what it felt like to get on stage for the first one of those that NSCE ever did?
0: Yeah, I remember... When we decided to do that show, I remember I was in a coffee shop on Lonsdale, and the only reasons we did that show is because there was a parent there, his daughter was in the Celtic ensemble and also in a dance in airborne, like an Irish dance uh, troupe. We decided to do a collaboration together because i mean i wasn 't thinking that we could fill a, a six hundred seat theater by ourselves, so He is the one, actually, we suggested it, and I thought, oh, my goodness, this is quite something. But, you know, the the school, the Irish dancing school was quite big, so we went along. But it's those kind of things that excites me to the limit. You know, when you have something that is a bit too big for you, it's like that's the kind of excitement that has always been part of me. When it's after the centennial, what's next? What's the next biggest thing we could do? I remember the experience, and I remember how exciting it was. And especially the getting ready for the centennial. I think that that moment was was huge. Even the you know like the, the six months before, it's just you have to put yourself in that mindset. It's going to be the centennial. You look at the stage, you look at the size, you look at wow, we've never quite done that. We've got lighting now. We've got now. It's not just Showing up in a gymnasium with, aside from just doing the music, there's a theatrical element that I've always loved, the storytelling aspect, uh, finding a theme. All of this came together. It grew out of the possibility of doing a show in a in a venue. You know.
1: Yeah. Okay. Are you ready to move on to the second of the three parts? We've done the beginning. Now we're doing the middle.
0: I'm ready. Yeah.
1: This period is from 2006 to 2013. So some of the things in this period are three of your four trips to the Aberdeen International Mm -hmm. Youth Festival, which we'll have to talk about. Mm. People like Gabrielle Dubroy, who's now the executive artistic director and is one of my best friends and is my former bandmate. And you're talking about doing collaborations like with Irish dancers at the Centennial Theatre. The first time that NSCE collaborated with Lionsgate Sinfonia was during this time as well. So it ushered in a lot of collaborations what you had was a bigger senior ensemble with more musicians in it mm-hmm. and not as big of a program not as much of it extending down to younger years because if you add up all the people who are in your program today it was more than the number of people who were there at that time mm-hmm. but what you had was this super large senior ensemble mm-hmm.
0: at that point i believe we uh We also had the Coquitlam Celtic Ensemble. Yeah. And the Coquitlam Celtic Ensemble, I think I decided to leave it. Uh, This was at Place des Arts. And so we had a number of people from Coquitlam who started to come to the North Shore. So it made for a a, a humongous group that moment in time. Yeah. sure. Every group has been different for me. Yeah. I mean, I worked in a string quartet before. And I remember we changed one member of the group and the dynamics change completely. With the Celtic Ensemble, you change a few players and then everything is just different. You have to start again. You know, there's a new dynamic, a new power uh, balance there. There's something going on and you need to sort of figure out how it's going to work. And then, so it's always a challenge every time in how you manage to make it work. That's the way I think about it. I don't think, I could break it down into, you know, with with the distance and everything.
1: Yeah. This way to break it down is very artificial. It's more for us just to remember what happened <laughs> than anything else. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the third one is from 2014 to 2021. So it ends mm-hmm. with you announcing at the most recent annual general meeting that this would be your last season and the role that NSC has known. Mm-hmm. And it begins with when You did two things. One, you brought in Kieran Lamb and me to work Mm -hmm. closely with the senior ensemble with you and Jay. And NSCE started being retrospective. It had its own history that it was proud of and rightfully shared with the community as an institution in a way. Because in 2014, you do a show celebrating 15 years oh, and you bring back a bunch right. of alumni. Mm. That's what introduced me to a lot of NSCE alumni too. I see. Okay. And of course, you do a 20-year show as well in this period of time. And you do so many collaborations. You collaborate twice with Ladate Singers. Mm. You collaborate again with Lionsgate Symphonia. You go to the Aberdeen International Youth Festival again, one final time. And you collaborate with Dean Marshall and you go to China as part of a huge company which is like mm-hmm. the hugest thing that NSCE has done by the number of people who were part of it mm-hmm. and so this is now such an established thing in this period of time
0: mm. It's interesting, I can see now how you break it down, I can see, can see the logic behind it the fact that we go back to Bending the Lines for instance which was that collaboration with Symphonia we're tapping into things that worked super well Laudate, for instance, this is a fantastic choir, and to be given the possibility of working with them and developing a repertoire with them, because when you you do something with them once, then maybe there are three songs that you manage to do an arrangement of for Celtic group and singers, you know, it's not, it's not. You have to write this music, but then you have a second chance, and then you have more. You could do this and that now. You can let's add this one and and Laudati, for instance, has their own composer in residence, so that means there's new music being written, and so, it's a
1: different person each year, right? Too, like I was there for both times, and they were both awesome, and there were two different composer in exactly, residence, right? So they invite yes. a different person to change exactly. it up, yeah.
0: At some point, you start thinking okay what worked really well and let's do some of that again for instance we started to implement a certain event in our season like a schedule of event that would be of interest for the kids concert for instance has become a regular thing every time in november and i guess if you think about an institution you become an institution when you start to have precise dates down and it's this is always the way i mean the trip to china was Possibly one thing that was really outside some of the things we had done already. But it was a great eye-opener for us as a group. And I think it affected, it inspired a lot of our kids. You always look for these things, but our schedule of event now is quite something. Yeah. (laughs) We have a full year of, of event that are placed and that we know we are going to be doing. So I want to ask
1: you, a question in a really open-ended way about one of these things that you did, and you are welcome to ramble on it in whatever direction you like, okay? <laughs>
0: Should I be scared? No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Talk about going to the Aberdeen International Youth Festival the four times that you did.
0: This was exciting. The first time we went, that was the, uh, the, bare feet, uh, the bare feet period, and so we had a lot of that at that point, and there, it, it was a wild... Uh, <laughs> It was a wild experience. Two weeks, it was, am not going to go into details, but, you know, you're going to Aberdeen as a, with a group of young teenagers with, you know, with a lot of freedom. It was an eye-opener. It was an inspire. It was crazy, crazy inspiring for everyone. The festival itself is fabulous, fabulous in so many different ways and the way they thought about it putting a festival together. It's not a festival as, as we know it. It's a festival where they gather up a bunch of groups in any disciplines. I mean, you have dance over there, you have jazz, classical, folk, Celtic, and you've got hundreds of people from all over the planet going to that festival. And they combine some of these groups together for some shows. They really encourage you to do things with them, to collaborate, so you have... On napkins in the cafeteria, you have to write down some ideas of how you're going to collaborate with this tune, what key do you play it in, and how can we do that? I mean, Jay and I, we love collaborations. So we, over the four times we went to Aberdeen, collaborations became for us our business card. We developed a bit of a reputation for good collaborations to be able to collaborate with anyone. And over time, over the four times with this Understanding how to be our best in that environment, we took part in some of the most unbelievably inspiring moments of music that i've ever been part of, uh, even in my professional life as a musician, one in particular that I remember with the uh, an orchestra youth orchestra classical orchestra from the uh, Netherlands and the uh, professional small string ensemble from Scotland and us and two musicians, two fantastic musicians who wrote the music for this collaborations we did with them. Do you is remember this Isflak? Is That's Fla- their composition. Like so composition. I'll, I'll
1: add some, I'll set the scene a little bit here. So the trip you're describing is the third of the four trips and yes. you did this particular gig, which I wasn't there for, I've only heard stories of it, with Katrina McKay and Chris Stout.
0: So that's an incredible duo that we played with, with all of this orchestra. The kids had to suffer through learning orchestral parts. So the rehearsals we had, I remember the kids just resisting and, and, and just having such difficulties memorizing because we're all into memorizing. We don't use music stands. And they had to memorize these parts and sometimes, you know, three bars of rest and then you play six notes and then you've got five bars of rest. And so it was a bit of a nightmare to learn this together. But man, did it pay out. You know, it it paid so much in terms of the experience. The kids, I think this was a turning point in terms of moments of high inspiration, just, just what music can do. All the kids, they were blown away and so, so proud to be part of something like that. It was like, yeah, tremendously inspiring. Yeah, Isflak. That's that's right. And
1: Isflak was your big project when I showed up in the following season to teach it to the new group that you had when you came back from Scotland that year.
0: Oh, Isflak. What a piece. This was like, for me, it blew my mind, that piece, just in terms of doing something truly Celtic in inspiration, but compositional. I wanted to write something like that myself. And I mean, you need really committed musicians to be able to pull something like that off. We had them. They were willing to work, put all these hours in. But having a trip like going to Aberdeen gives you so much fuel when you know you're gonna go to Aberdeen. The kids are behind, you know, if when you have an exciting project, this is it gives you a certain amount of fuel to work with right the bigger the project the more fuel you've got and you can really push the kids when something like this is showing up so it was tremendously inspiring I'm trying to remember when you were there Will uh, was that the year we did Neil Gauss with the orchestra uh, the
1: memorable collaborations from the one I was there for were with an orchestra from Indonesia okay, and with yes. a percussion group from Ghana
0: okay okay Okay, so the, is that so? We played the Beatles song. We we did a oh show bloody, together. Oh, blah, da, oh yeah. bloody, <laughs> blah, da. That was quite something. That was. This is not the time when the uh, the the place uh, there was a f- the fire alarm came up. And the, no, that was oh, that was before so. that. No. I mean, I could be forgetting, but I could have slept. <laughs> I'm through melding it. on all the all the Aberdeen shows, but I remember really well the uh, yeah yeah. The and Beatles of course, and the,
1: this was also the one where you extended the tour and drove across Scotland in a oh, coach bus. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And played at Sky Festival, Sky on on the other side.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a model of tour that uh, we had done before. Yeah. in Quebec years before. And I thought this formula worked so well where you go to a festival for a number of days. Aberdeen shrank in terms of length of time. It used to be longer and eventually went down to about eight or nine days. Like the festival
1: itself, not just your involvement in it. Yeah,
0: that's right. So so we decided we'd stay a little longer and there was a festival at the Sky and we went and played there. And we, uh, I mean, we traveled by bus in Scotland in the northern parts and it was really magical. I think this this is also for the kids. I mean, just the whole... I mean, nine days of intensity, like Aberdeen and going on the bus and then looking at this scenery of Northern Scotland was just fabulous.
1: So after coming home from that trip, within the next six months, by the end of the year 2016, we all find out that Jay is officially finally retiring from NSCE. So when you... Found that out that it was for sure going to happen because I'm sure you had probably talked about the concept with him a few different times and mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily happen every time. When you finally found out that that was going to happen, do you remember
0: how that moment felt for you? Well, I mean, we had worked so many years together. We had we had a real team going on, so I knew that aspect of it would be difficult. There's a certain aspect of the presentation that I thought I would change a little bit. So I took the opportunity to change the configuration of the group, how I'm going to really emphasize the kids and let them lead the show. I think at that point, that was maybe one of the strategies that I sort of invested in. From that moment on, the model changed. I was alone more, all the rehearsals. When we did shows, we hired musicians, so it worked a bit differently. But at the moment I heard about this, you know, it, we just had to try it. But I was open. I mean, I was open to, I was positive that things would work out. And But it was a major change in terms of the dynamic of the group, holding everything together on my own. It meant leaning more on the board than I, I had ever done. When you have a colleague to work with, it's very, 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 very helpful in many ways when you can talk shop with someone who knows exactly what you're talking about and can translate what you say into some sort of artistic idea. I like to work with people. So uh, there was a challenge for me for sure there.
1: I love where you went with that because now I want to know you have this again now. So Mm -hmm. now that Gabrielle is working more closely with you, What's it been like?
0: It's great. I had missed that. It makes me feel like, wow, this is, I had missed working with someone and being able to just share time at a rehearsal time. You could just look at each other and at some point you need need out in that particular moment. Can't take it anymore, (laughs) whatever that is. Or, you know, that's all I can say right now. Do you have something to say? And then, you know, the other person just kicks in and, when you look at it, you've got 20 teenagers there in front of you. It's great to have someone there. I mean, he grew up with the ensemble in many ways, right? And he had freshly come from, you know, Berklee College of Music and and he had been going to the Sunshine Coast and doing his work with the uh, the, 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 the string group over there. And so I, I approached him with the idea that, you know, what do you think about working with the ensemble? And, and, uh, and I probably mentioned something about the fact that that I'm seeing myself slowly, they say in French, tirer sa, ré- sa révérence. Alors, tirer sa révérence. I'm not sure exactly how to translate that. <laughs> but it's basically to just gracefully… um To fade out. out. Fay- <laughs> That's right. Give the rain to somebody else, basically. So Gabriel, uh, this year it's the first year that we have a sort of a normal season. It's really terrific, and I'm actually very so confident now. And his energy and his uh, what he's bringing to the ensemble is just fabulous. And his his community-minded vision, all of this for me it gives me great hope that this Celtic Ensemble is is going to be there for many more
1: years. So for those who are listening in the month of November, what can we expect at this year's theater show? Oh,
0: connection. Yes. (laughs) This is important. I think last year, it was a lack of connection that was the most difficult thing to live with, the lack of human connection. And I think connection is the, the perfect antidote for what we've gone through last year, um, we did a film last year, a wonderful film with a little company called Starlight, a professional film that we put together and we We collaborated with a, with dancers, a couple of uh, senior dancers they dance in different areas of North Vancouver, and we had also the o 'connor 's Irish dancers, and they did something on our music, so we recorded the soundtrack. And we just lent the soundtrack to these dancers. So they danced different places. We called the movie Connection. And it was all about in an effort to try to stay connected with people around in our community. So that is a bit the spirit of what Connection is about at the show that you will see at the Centennial. Um, So, of course, it's the lively music, but it's also there's a message to all of this. And there's a little bit of a piece about Connection that we want to recreate for everyone there and um, we're so thrilled
1: yeah i want to wrap up with this this has been phenomenal i have many unforgettable memories in the time that i worked with you but there's one that i want to close out on i want to pull you back there and get another take on how you felt or what this one meant to you because this one you were in focus for this one even though i was there it took place in the one tour that we haven't mentioned so far, really, which is the 2015 Tour of Atlantic Canada. That was my first tour with NSCE, And one of the places that we stopped in <laughs> towards the end of this tour, Claude is laughing because he knows where I'm going, is Rimouski, which is your hometown. It is, yeah. And the first thing we did when we had free time, when we were in Rimouski was you and I walked around by ourselves and you walked me down the main street of Rimouski and you showed me like, oh, this was here, that was there. This is what I remember. And then we went and we played a a concert in the backyard of a community hall or something like that Mm -hmm. and got eaten by mosquitoes. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that like for you to go back? I was 20 years old. I was seeing it with fresh eyes, but you hadn't been living there since you were 20 years old. So when you landed in
0: Rimouski on Mm -hmm. that trip how did that feel interesting and you were 20 and that's when I left yeah great juxtaposition it was very very special for me to be able to go back to where I came from Uh, I left when I was 20 uh, for music basically I did an audition and ended up in Vancouver to go back there with with the kids and um, I know there were a lot of mosquitoes but (laughs) that's part of the life in Rimouski I suppose no, it was it was special in so many ways just to be able I mean, you don't know you don't know how it's going to affect you until you get there, right? So I was there physically in this place and being able to be with people who I live with now, people who I my life is around these people, and it's been like forty years or so that I hadn't been there. It touches you in such a way, like your heart Your heart muscles work very, very hard at that point. It's just, uh, I don't know, there's, there's a bit of melancholia, there's a little bit of pride, there's a little bit of so many different emotions that come running. I remember that moment very well. I remember all of what I've done when we were there and when we went for ice cream, for instance, and we had this incredible ice cream place over there that I remember when I was a kid there's no ice cream like Rimouski's ice cream, you know. That's the that's the saying. <laughs> but uh, and and the show, of course, and and the warmth, the people who were there, and uh, it all meant a lot to me, and to be able to share it with all the kids of the ensemble. Yeah, that was. Some, and the the kids were all. They talked to me. They knew this was my place. And it was a special moment for sure. I I felt celebrated somewhat because of this. (laughs) (laughs) Well deserved. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, when I was that age, 19 or 20, I was going my own way as well. And Mm -hmm. I was looking for something and I didn't know what to do next. And Mm. I ended up feeling like NSC was just a home for me for many years that I really needed. And so I am really thankful that you and everybody else provided that and ran it for so many years. So thank you for everything you've done in that.
0: Well, it's been uh, such a pleasure to have you and that we've kept that friendship all these years. I'm glad that we, you came aboard and had this experience with us. So I think we had uh, a lot of fun.
1: Well, I will see you at the show from thank the audience. You. Thank you very <laughs> much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you haven't followed the feed yet, make sure you do. And think about your friends who might enjoy listening too. Tell them to search for the Rhythm Changes podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Link them to our website, rhythmchanges.ca, Facebook at Churnoff Music, or Instagram and Twitter at Rhythm Changes BC. The Rhythm Changes podcast is a Churnoff Music production.